0: Notice in verse 32 of Mark chapter 13, it says, But of that day and of that hour knoweth no man, know not the angels, which to heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. What we're going to be talking about this morning is getting ready for Christ's return. And I'm kind of preaching this message this morning. I want to get everybody fired up about Christ's return and about end times, especially since we're getting ready to start this Revelation series. And I, I believe as Christians, we need to be ready for Christ's return. And we don't know when it's going to be. It says in verse 33, it says, "...take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man as is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the Master of the house cometh at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping." And I don't know about you, I don't want to be caught sleeping when Jesus Christ returns. That's not something I want. And I want to just tell this this passage here. It reminds me of a story. My dad told me this story years ago about a young man who he was really wanting a new wristwatch. He wanted one so bad and was begging his parents for one. He just kept begging and begging and begging. Finally, they got sick of it and they said, listen, if you ask for a watch one more time, you're going to be grounded for a month. And so they were having family devotions that night, and everybody's kind of reading their favorite scriptures. And so they finally get to that boy, and they tell him, uh, All right, what verse would you like to read tonight? And he went to Mark chapter 13, verse 37. And he read, And what I say unto you, I say unto you all, Watch. So, anyway, I, I think of that story every time I read that passage. But we are supposed to be watching for the return of Christ. I'm glad y'all got a kick out of that. <laughs> I, I, I usually get I usually get crickets after a joke of mine. But anyway, you know, we're, we're clearly commanded to be watching. We're supposed to be watching for the return of Christ. We're supposed to be ready. Now, we don't believe here. I do not believe in an imminent return. All right. In other words, that word imminent means it could happen at any moment. I believe that there are certain events that need to take place first. And that's one of the things we're going to be covering a lot of that when we go through the book of Revelation. And a lot of people, they get mad at you when you do not teach imminency because it's like if you don't teach an imminent rapture, then your people are not going to be ready. You know, Christians are supposed to be ready at all times and therefore that proves imminency. But what's interesting about that is in my experience, churches that preach an imminent rapture, their people are not ready. And churches who do not preach uh, an imminent rapture, their people are ready. I find that interesting, and there's a reason for that, and here's why. God doesn't use thing false doctrine to motivate His people. We are not going to help get people to to do what they're supposed to do by preaching false doctrine. But that is one of the biggest arguments against what we teach about end times is, you know, your people aren't going to be ready. You know, your people are going to be asleep. Well, actually, they're not actually, you know, we're we're all pretty fired up here and ready to go. That's, what, that's the way we are about it. You know, we actually don't mind talking about end times things. We're not uncomfortable like it is in a lot of churches because the problem is they don't want to preach about end times things because they're gonna, afraid they're going to wake up their sleeping members. That's what they're afraid of. They're afraid it's going to cause you know, emotion in the church. You know, and they're too busy being dead to get anybody fired up about anything. But that's not the case here. But saying that not teaching imminency will make your people go to sleep that's really the same thing as saying um, you know, that teaching eternal security is just going to give people a license to sin. Don't we hear that all the time? People, they want to say, oh, you know, you can't teach eternal security. You're just giving people a free pass. And if you teach people a salvation that they can't lose, then they're just going to go get saved and they're just going to do all kinds of horrible things. But is that what happens? I mean, in our experience, do, I mean, do we see a lot of people go get saved just then go shoot up a place? I've never seen that in my life, all right? So they can go be a pervert or anything like that. No, that is not what we see. The truth is, well, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it, I, it would make sense that I could get you all to do what I wanted you to do more if I had hell to threaten you with. I mean, wouldn't that seem to work? But you know what? I don't do that. And it's not biblical. And you know, the churches that do that, their people aren't doing what they're supposed to do either. It's interesting, people who believe you can lose your salvation actually live worse than people who don't think you can lose your salvation. Why is that? I'll tell you why. It's because God uses truth. God doesn't use lies. And people have come up with an imminent rapture as a way to try to get people to be urgent in their churches. And you know what? It's not working. You know what you have in those churches? You have a bunch of lukewarm Christians. And I think the reason for that is because they're teaching these people. We're in the Laodicean church age because everybody's lukewarm. And it's like, no, actually, the whole church age doctrine is foolish and it is false. And your people are just lukewarm because you're not helping them get ready for the return of Christ because you're preaching lies to them. You're preaching false doctrine. And what I want to do this morning... I want to show you how we're actually supposed to be ready. What it actually means to be ready. See, eminence, that should cause Christians to be urgent, but it doesn't. Because God doesn't use lies. God uses truth to motivate people. And so, look at Acts chapter 1. Let me show you one example of what not watching is. Because this is what we see going on with most Christians today. This is how Christians are watching for the return of Christ. They're doing it kind of like they did... For a few for a few minutes. I don't know how long this went on in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter one, verse nine, it says, When he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. This is Jesus' ascension as he goes back to heaven, as he ends his earthly ministry, he floats up into the sky, and a cloud receives them out of their sight. Okay, and that cloud's important because when Jesus Christ returns, the Bible says, Behold, he cometh with clouds. The Bible says when He returns, we're going to be caught together with Him in the clouds. When Jesus Christ returns, He's coming in the clouds at the rapture. So Jesus, He ascends up into heaven, a cloud receives Him out of their sight. And it says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as He went up, behold, two men stood by them in wide apparel. You know what's happening? You've got a bunch all those people there. There's 120 people there. They're all standing there just with their mouths hanging open. Which is exactly what I would do if I saw something like that. I would probably stand there with my mouth hanging open. And I would I'd be watching that cloud to see if it moves on and you know is he still there what's going on they're standing there gazing into the heavens and verse eleven says uh, which also said ye men of Galilee why stand ye gazing into the heaven if I'd have been there I'd have been like well because Jesus just floated up to heaven you ever seen anything like that before you know that's pretty cool all right you know and and where did he go that's why we're sca- gazing into the heaven. He said, "This same Jesus, which is taken from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven." So this angel said, "Hey, he's coming back, All right? He is going to return." So when he's saying, "Why stand ye gazing?" You know, then why could Wouldn't the answer be, "Well, because if he's coming back, we're just watching for his return." I mean, there he is. There's the clouds. You know, behold, he cometh with clouds. I've heard preachers do this before. You'll see a real cloudy day. You know, those good rapture clouds right there, you know. Listen, the guy said one time, right, those good rapture clouds right there and this other guy's standing there and he's just like, imminency. That's exactly what he said. And I'm just, I'm cracking up. It was funny. And that's what they always do. And you know, and they like to just go sit out there and look. Well, oh, maybe today, maybe today, this trumpet's going to blow. You know, I was watching Fox News and I saw him talking about Israel and what's going on over there in the Middle East. And I'm thinking the Lord's got to be about to come back right now. I just heard a prophecy preacher say all these things that happen is fulfillment of prophecy. Therefore, the rapture's imminent. And they get all excited about these things. And what do they do? They stand there gazing into the heavens, and they call that watching for His return which we are commanded to watch for His return, but notice how the angel says to them, why are you standing gazing into the heavens? And you know, it wasn't because they were watching for His return, because here's how we watch, okay? What did Jesus do right before He ascended into heaven? He gave them the Great Commission. He told them to go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. Do you know how we watch for the return of Christ? We make sure we're doing what He told us to do. We make sure we're being obedient to His Word. He's given us a job to do. And so we ought to watch for Him the same way we often watch for our boss. Alright? And think about this. Okay? And if you've ever worked... Okay, I, you know I, I've got a part-time factory job. And if you've ever worked a job where you got a boss that kind of looks over your shoulder or whatever, all right, when you are working and doing what you're supposed to do, you are not looking visibly, are you? When you're doing what you're supposed to do, Nobody is looking visibly for their boss. You know why? Because they're ready. If the boss sees me right now, he sees me following the rules, he sees me doing the work. You're not going to stand around gazing. But what do you do when you're breaking the rules, all right? Not that I've ever done this, but I've seen other people do it, all right? You know what what do you do when you're breaking the rules? You're watching. You're looking. You're looking for signs of his return. You know, you're looking at you're looking, you know, could he be near? Because that, I want to make sure I see him first so I can get back to work real quick. But when you're actually doing the work that you're supposed to do, you are not going to stand around gazing. And you know what we've got today in a lot of churches who are looking for the return, who believe in imminency? You know what they're doing? They're standing around looking, watching, looking for the signs and all these things, watching Israel. You know why? Because these people know they're not doing what they're supposed to do. They know they're not doing the work that they're supposed to do, and they've got it in their head that when all these things start happening, all these things start falling into place, you know, then, then I'll get my act together. But you know, the truth is, what I have seen in churches who believe like we do on end times, who don't believe in imminent rapture, you know what you got the people in those churches doing? They're out going soul winning. They're out knocking the doors. They're out doing the work. That is actually how we watch. Okay? We watch by doing the work. Alright? I am, I want to be, when He returns, I want to be caught doing what I'm supposed to do. I want to be caught doing what He commanded me to do. The last thing He said to do before He left was to go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. And obviously, we can't be out soul winning 24 hours a day, but you know what? I can make sure that when He returns, that that is a regular part of my routine. That is a regular part of my life. As a pastor, I can make sure that is a regular thing that is going on in our church that is an emphasized thing that we are actively doing because that is exactly what He called us to do. And I want us to be ready... For Jesus Christ returns. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to be busy soul winning. We're not going to be standing gazing. I'm not going to have the prophecy preachers coming in and giving us a bunch of Fox News talking points and telling us about what's going on in Israel. I don't care about any of that stuff. What I care about is are we doing what Jesus said to do? And Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to preach the whole Bible. That's why we constantly preach through entire books of the Bible, chapter by chapter. And eventually, I hope to preach through all 1,189 chapters of the Bible while hitting a bunch of other subjects in the meantime, you know why I'm doing these things? Because I'm watching for His return, so I'm trying to follow the specific commands. I want to be actively doing what I'm supposed to do when He returns. I don't want to, to be—I don't want to get out of the will of God and have to be like the imminency people and just constantly looking up and constantly watching that way. That is not how we're supposed to watch. That is not how we are ready. We are ready by actively doing what we have been called to do. Look what it says in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. Let's go over there. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. It says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In verse 19 it says, So then after that the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and sat on the right hand of God. That's exactly what we see in Acts chapter one. He after he so he says go into all the world. He's caught up into heaven. He and then the cloud receives them out of their sight. And then in Acts chapter one, it's picking up right where Mark left off. And they were they're gazing, and the angels like why are you gazing? And they didn't say we're supposed to be watching because watching is not sitting around looking watching is doing what you were told to do. And they had been told to go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. And that's what the angel was trying to get across to them. Hey, it's time to get busy. It's time to do what you're supposed to do. And that's what we should be doing today. We ought to be getting busy, spreading the Gospel, telling everyone we can. Turn over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Another thing we need to do to be ready for the return of Christ is we need to stay strong doctrinally. This is very important because one thing that we know about those last days is there's going to be a lot of false teaching that is going to to be going on. And there's a lot of it going on today, but I believe it's going to be worse than ever during the tribulation. And it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 1, it says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us is that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he is God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was uh, yet with you, I told you these things. He's telling them here, he look, there's going to be some deceptive days coming. And he said, I'm beseeching you by the coming of Christ and by our gathering together. That's what the rapture is. is the catching away of God's people. And he tells them, he says, that day, all right, the day of Christ, the day of His return, the day of our gathering, he said that day is not going to come except some certain events take place first. And I'm not going to go into what all those events are right now. We don't have time for that. But he's telling us, he's he's referring to a specific day, the day of Christ. He's it's the same day that he's talking about in Mark chapter thirteen, when he said, But no man knoweth the day or the hour talking about the return of Christ. Go ahead and turn back to Mark chapter thirteen and verse thirty two. But he said there in Second Thessalonians, he said, Let no man deceive you. All right, well, how are we gonna keep ourselves from being deceived. The only way we can keep ourselves from being deceived is we have got to be in the Word of God ourselves. We have got to be studying the Bible. We've got to be reading the Bible on a regular basis. You need to be in the house of God getting around the teaching of the Word of God. And let me tell you something. This passage that we just read, this is referring to a very specific time that is in the future. And he's saying, listen, don't let anybody deceive you. That deception is going to get really bad in that t- during that time. And I'll show you more verses on that in a minute. that's why the Bible says not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. And it says, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. As the return of Christ draws nearer, we need to be in the house of God more than ever. We need to be around the teaching of the Word of God more than ever because deception is coming. And let me tell you, this Revelation series is very important. And you need it so you will not be deceived. We want to be ready. And one of the ways we're ready, we're busy doing the work of the Lord, but we're also staying strong doctrinally. That so we're studying His Word. But look what it says in Mark chapter 13, verse 32, because He says, that day shall not come. Referring to the day of Christ. And in Mark chapter 13, verse 32, it says, but no man knoweth the day and the hour. Alright, no man, no man knows when that is. What day is he talking about there? Look at verse 24 in Mark chapter 13. It says, But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun shall be turned, uh, sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and he shall send his angels and shall gather together His elect from the four winds from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. Remember what He said Second 2 Thessalonians 2? He says, I beseech you by the coming of our Lord Jesus and our gathering together. And right here we have Jesus Christ returning in the clouds just like the angel said. He's going to return in like manner just like 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says. Here He is returning in the clouds and He's gathering the people up. That is the day that it's referring to. And we are not to be deceived about these things. God gave us specific things to be watching for. He said that day shall not come except a falling away come first. And that man of sin be revealed. I believe a reference to the abomination of desolation. If you don't know what that is, you'll learn about that when we go through the Revelation series. You'll, uh, th- that is a very important day. One that is coming up. And what people often say who... Teach eminency. When they scoff at our teaching, they say, you know what, you people aren't looking for Jesus Christ. You're not looking for Jesus Christ, you're looking for the Antichrist. You're not looking for the, you know, they'll say, I'm not looking for the Undertaker, I'm looking for the Uppertaker. You know, they start using all the slogans and things like that. But listen, if you're in Chicago and you're wanting to come visit us here in Rock Falls, and I'm giving you directions, one of the things I might say is, like, hey, when you get to Dixon, when you see dixon we're the next town and if somebody's driving they're coming to rock, rock falls is what they're looking for rock falls is where they're wanting to go but if they're watching for dixon it doesn't mean they're not looking for rock falls too they're wanting to see dixon so they know when they're getting close to rock falls and the thing is yeah i i'm looking for jesus christ but listen it was jesus that said hey before i return you're going to see some things first. So I'm watching for those things, not because I want to go to Dixon, all right, but I want to know when I'm getting close to Rock Falls. And so I'm watching for the Antichrist, not because I'm anxious to see the Antichrist, but I just know what comes after him. I'm watching for that abomination of desolation, not because I'm excited about what's going to happen during that time, but I'm really excited about what's going to come after that and you know what my kids do the same thing whenever we travel anywhere if we're traveling to my mom and dad's house it's like when they see mendota like all right we're only like 15 minutes away and it's not that they're anxious to get to mendota but it's like they want to know when they're close you know 15 minutes is not bad i know it's only an hour there but it's a boring hour and they and so they are they they watch for those things and it's not that they're looking that's what they're looking for they're looking for what comes after that And so that is just a foolish argument because I'm not the one who said certain things have to happen first, okay? The Apostle Paul said it. Jesus said it. Jesus gave uh, at the Olivet Discourse. Jesus basically laid out the tribulation. Jesus showed the abomination of desolation. And then Jesus showed the sun being darkened and the moon turned to blood. And then Jesus showed him returning in the clouds after the tribulation of those days. It was Jesus that did that. So I'm just following his directions. I'm watching for those events. Not because I'm anxious for those events. I'm anxious for what comes after that event. And so I don't want to be deceived during that time. Jesus said, you know, he warned Hey, if one says Christ is here or is there, you know, don't listen to Don't follow him. There is going to be a lot, of de- a lot of deception during that time. And go ahead and turn over to um, uh, Revelation chapter three. Revelation. Chapter 3. So he said, he very clearly, you know, he said to watch. He said, if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. The deception that is going to be going on before the time of Christ, it is going to be strong deception. It is going to be very convincing. And the only thing I think that's going to keep us from being deceived is the Holy Spirit. And so we've got to make sure that we are, that we're studying our Bibles, that we're doctrinally sound. But Revelation chapter 3, verse 3, look what it says. It says, Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent if therefore thou shalt not watch i will come on thee as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour i will come upon thee all right now y'all see what's going on here jesus is giving this church a warning and the warning is if you don't watch i'm going to come on you as a thief okay now I'm not adding to the words of Christ, but I'm just using simple deduction here. And if He said, if you don't watch, I'm going to come on you as a thief, would it be okay for me to say then, if I do watch, He won't come on me as a thief? I mean, does that not make sense? Parents, if you tell your children, hey, if you don't stop doing that, you're going to get a spanking. Well, it would be okay if your child interpreted that so if I quit, I won't get a spanking? I mean, isn't that just common sense right there? And that's... if if. Right there he said, If you don't watch, I'm coming on you as a thief, that means if we do watch, he won't come on us as a thief. Alright? Turn over and so turn over to first Thessalonians chapter five. So another thing we've got to do in order to be ready for the return of Christ is we need to have a walk with God. Listen, it's not enough for you to just have a lot of Bible knowledge. There's a lot of people who've got a lot of Bible memorized, who have more Bible memorized than I have memorized, but they're as mixed up doctrinally as anybody. There's people who have, I mean, the New, most of the New Testament memorized, and they still think you have to work your way to heaven. So, having, you know, just having a lot of knowledge isn't going to be enough. You need to have a walk with God, too. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, this is, which is right after chapter 4, chapter 4 is probably the clearest rapture passage that there is. And then when he gets to chapter 5, he says, But of the, the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Okay? The day of the Lord's cometh as a thief in the night. And right, people say right there, see, you're not going to be able to see it coming. He's going to come as a thief. Well, let's keep reading, all right? Everybody wants to get all their theology from one verse and they just want to stop. Let's keep reading. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. "...but ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief." Alright, so if you just read two more verses, you'll see, yes, the Lord's coming as a thief in the night, but wait, we're not in darkness that that day should overtake us as a thief. We're actually having a walk with God. It says in verse 5, "...ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness." Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Is that not exactly what we saw in Matthew chapter 13? In that parable where he commanded the porter to watch, and he said, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. Paul is warning us about the exact same thing. He said, listen, don't be caught sleeping when the day of the Lord comes. Don't let the day of the Lord come upon you as a thief in the night. He's telling them to watch and be sober. And he says in verse 7, "...for they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another." even as also ye do. So we see as believers, if we're not careful, even though I, I said I don't believe the rapture is imminent, but I do believe that we could sleep through these things. And right there, that people will call that a huge leap, but I'm going to show you that's not a huge leap. Thing. How could you sleep through the tribulation? How could you sleep through the abomination of desolation? How could you sleep through all these things? Well, I, I believe that you actually can. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been commanded to stay awake. And we wouldn't have been commanded to watch. We were commanded to do all these things. It's like people think, when they think of the tribulation, you know, we watch too much Hollywood, we watch too much disaster movies. Okay. And while a lot of bad things are going to be going on in the world, it's not going to be like necessarily like a nonstop action-packed movie, 24-7, everywhere in the globe. Now, a lot of bad things are going to happen in a lot of parts of the earth. But you know what? The Bible also says, as in the days of Noah, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving to marriage. Until Christ turned. I'll I'll go there here in a little bit. But the key is here, we need to have a walk with God. If you're not having a close walk with God, I believe you're going to miss some of these things. And so look at at Luke chapter 17 and verse 26. Because you think, how could you sleep through the tribulation? Well, in Luke chapter 17 verse 26 it says, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Therefore, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So people, they see that passage there and the main point that God's trying to get across here is he saying that the same day that God took His people out, His wrath came. Remember at Sodom and Gomorrah, God pulled Lot and His family out and then wrath was poured out. And the same thing's going to happen before God pours His wrath out on this earth and the tribulation is not the wrath of God. Before God pours His wrath out, He is going to pull us out. And as soon as we are pulled out, the wrath of God will begin on this world. The great day of His wrath will have come. And who shall be able to stand? That's in Revelation chapter 6. But people read this passage here and they see the eating, drinking, marrying, giving, in marriage. Well, this looks like a pretty peaceful time, right? You know, this is a peaceful time. That's the day we're in right now. People are eating and drinking, marrying giving and giving in marriage. You know, they're not going to be doing that in the tribulation when everything's just chaos and earthquakes and wars and just, you know... Action packed, you know, whatever your favorite disaster movie is. Well, here's the thing. The Bible says it was, as it was in the days of Noah. What does the Bible also say in Genesis about the days of Noah? We're not going to go back and, and read all of it, but you know what the Bible says it was like during the days of Noah? It says the world was filled with violence. Did you know even when the world is filled with violence, people still go on with their life in other parts of the world? You think about some of the most Wicked and horrible times we had in history, okay, and I'm sure there were probably people in World War One and World War II that probably thought, "Hey, I wonder if we're in the tribulation. I'm sure there's people that probably thought that. But y'all realize during World War I, World War II people were still getting married. people were still having kids. There were many parts of the world where people are living their normal lives. And you know what, even during the tribulation, while it will be worse than it ever was before, there will still be you know, normal life things going on. It's just the violence and stuff will be at an increased rate. Because, I mean, think about this too. I mean, how often even today are you maybe, you know, you're out at Hardee's, you know, drinking coffee, and everybody's talking about just all the horrible things going on in the world. And they do it while you're sitting around drinking coffee. Did you hear about that shooting? Did you hear about that shooting at the synagogue? Did you hear about that school shooting? You know, you hear about this war going on in this place. Did you hear about this massacre? Did you hear about this earthquake? You know, there's a lot of horrible things going on. But it's not every single place at the same time. And that's kind of the picture that we often have in our head. But I do believe that it's very possible that even if we're going through horrible times in this earth like never before, that a lot of people are just going to be asleep to that. You know, they're just, they'll be in survival mode. They're not going to be paying attention to the things of God. and uh, And I think most people too, as long as their cable doesn't go out, they're probably, you know, they're they're probably not gonna think they're in tribulation. Okay? Now when that if that goes down, then be ready for the riots everywhere. But eventually it's gonna have to calm down and people are gonna have to uh, start eating and stuff like that. But anyway, but we need to have a walk with God. So even in the worst times in history, life was still going on in most of the world. And Genesis six, nine through thirteen proves that we're not gonna take time to look at it. But the key event That we're supposed to be watching for is the abomination of desolation. And look at, so in 2 Thessalonians, turn over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 again. Let me show you this. Because the events, and I don't have time to go through all of them, the events of Matthew 24 and the events of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 line up perfectly. And they just happen to line up perfectly with the events of Revelation chapter 6 and 7. They line up perfectly with that. They are in the exact same order. It's so easy to prove, but let me just show you a few things here that are key. And this is why we need to and why we need to have a walk with God. So in verse six, it says, "And ye know what withholdeth that ye might be revealed in His time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked, with a capital W, be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of His mouth, and shall destroy." with the brightness of His coming. Even Him, talking about Christ, whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. you all see that? Christ's coming is after the working of Satan. After Satan does his signs and his lying wonders, then Jesus Christ is going to return and He is going to begin to destroy Satan and his works. Verse ten it says, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe alive, that they all might be damned, who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. All right. Now keep your finger there and go over to Matt, back to Matthew chapter twenty-four, Matthew chapter twenty-four, and verse fourteen. So we see it very clearly there says that Christ's coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And look what it says in chapter 24 and verse 14. It says, "...in this gospel the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come." Alright? That spreading of the gospel. Interesting. That is the last thing that we were commanded to do. That is what we are supposed to be doing. That's how we watch for the return of Christ. We're supposed to be spreading the Gospel. And this Gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, and then shall the end come, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, the same event that the Apostle Paul re- referred to. It says, Whoso readeth, let him understand. And then jump down to verse... Um, let's jump down in verse 21. It says, For then shall be great tribulation. Okay? This is after the abomination of desolation. There will be great tribulation. And then in verse 23, look at this. It says, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not, for there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and look at this, and shall sow great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Just like we saw in Second Thessalonians, we saw the abomination of desolation We see the false prophets using signs and lying wonders is what it says in 2 Thessalonians. And in Matthew 24, it says signs and wonders. And they are lying wonders because it says for possibly they would deceive the very elect. So they're lying, trying to deceive. And then in verse 27, it says, For as lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For west, the carcasses, there will the eagles be gathered together. And immediately... After the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven, the powers of the heaven shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming, not on a white horse. Some people want to say this is Armageddon. No. When Jesus Christ comes at Armageddon, He's coming on a white horse. When He comes in the rapture, behold, He cometh with clouds. We'll be called together with them in the clouds. When Jesus went to heaven the first time, He ascended up and a cloud received Him out of their sight. They said He's going to come in like manner as you have seen Him going to heaven. He went up in the clouds and He's going to come back in the clouds. That's what the Bible says. And you shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and He shall send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet. The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. What's going on? We are being gathered together by the angels. To gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. So we see that it lines up perfectly with all the other events, and so we're supposed to be watching for these things. And notice what it said. It said, hey, there's going to be deception. And that deception during that time, it's going to be strong. It's going to be a real deception. And we've got to be ready. And the way we we're going to be ready is one, we've got to be busy doing the work of the Lord like He commanded us to do. We've got to stay strong doctrinally. We've got to be studying these things. But listen, the Bible promised a blessing for those who who read the book of Revelation and who do those things in the books you know what we're going to we we're going to be studying the book of Revelation you all have a chance to get a blessing by being a part of that by learning from that and you need to be prepared for these things because the time is coming and I believe it's going to be in my lifetime I hope it's in my lifetime where it's going to get difficult and there's going to be a lot of deception and you know what I don't want to fall for it I want to stay strong doctrinally, so we're going to keep on studying these things like we're supposed to. We're not going to avoid the Book of Revelation because it's controversial. We're going to preach it, and then we're also going to try to have a walk with God. We're going to try to walk with Him, and by, you know Moses or uh, Noah was somebody who had a walk with God. We well, you see, you know, Enoch was somebody who had a walk with God, and Enoch was somebody who got raptured out early, and that's another uh, story and another lesson. But the, you know, the this. So this this attitude of watching these things it causes people to say we're looking for the antichrist. I'm not I'm not interested in him. All right? I'm only interested in him because of what comes after him. I'm watching for Jesus Christ. And Second Thessalonians, uh, in chapter two and in verse eight, it tells us even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. So I'm watching for that because I want to know what I, I I'm ready for what's next. I'm ready for what comes after that. Just like I would watch for Dixon if I'm coming from Chicago to Rock Falls. I'm going to watch for Dixon. Not because I want to go to Dixon, but because I know I've got to get through Dixon to get to Rock Falls. And so we've got to be, wa- we've got to be watching for these things. And see, you're not going to have time to change your ways when all these things start going down. In Revelation 22, verse 6, it says, and "...He said unto me, These things are faithful and true the Lord the Holy, and the Holy Prophet sent His angel to show unto His servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Verse 11, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. Is God wanting us to be unjust people? No, you know what He's saying? If that's what you are now, that's what you're going to be then. You're not going to have time to change. When Jesus Christ returns, when this all starts going down, That is not gonna be, you're not gonna have time to become a good Christian and to get right with God. If you're not gonna be a good Christian right now, you're not gonna be a good Christian during the tribulation. And so verse, uh, 12, or read the rest of verse 11, He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. You know what we need to do? We need to today, the, we need to try to get ourselves in the spiritual condition that we want to be in when Jesus Christ returns. Today. Even if it's not imminent, today is when we need to do it because He's coming quickly. It's going to happen fast. And if you're not doing it today, you know what that means? That means you are asleep. And you and you might sleep through these important events and you're not going to see these things coming and you are going to be ashamed at His coming. There are going to be many who are ashamed that His coming Verse twelve, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Verse twenty, he which of these things said, Surely I come quickly. And I like what John said, even so, uh, you know, come Lord, even so, come Lord, and that ought to be our attitude. You know what our attitude should be? We ought to say, you know, what? I'm ready today. Even so, come Lord. People look at Second Thessalonians chapter two. And they're like, why were these people worried that Jesus Christ was returning? That can't be talking about the rapture because why would they be you know, discouraged or worried about the day of Christ being at hand? I'll tell you why. Maybe it was because they knew they weren't ready. Maybe they were ashamed of their walk and they were thinking, you know, we'll get ready later. But they, were, but they knew better than to think that you're going to have time. And if the day of Christ is at hand, maybe they were ashamed of their Christian walk. I don't know. I mean, I think that makes as much sense as anything these other people are coming up with. And I think it lines up with what we're seeing here. Listen, if you're not ready for Christ today, there is no guarantee you're going to be ready when He when he comes. So you better get ready today. And you know what the main thing you need to do? You need to get saved if you're not saved. That's the most important thing you can do. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, "...for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men." teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak, exhort, and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Listen, a person who's looking for the coming of Christ, they're not going to be lukewarm. They are not going to be a laity to seeing Christian. Not if they're watching. Not if they're looking. But a, a Christian who is looking for Christ, they're going to be that, that peculiar person who is zealous of good works. And that grace of God that brings salvation, it teaches us some things. And you know what? It, it, one thing it's going to teach is you, you need to get saved. If you're not saved, you are, definitely are not ready for the return of Christ you better call on the Lord for salvation. You better quit trusting in your own righteousness. You better quit trusting in your own goodness. And you better admit that you're a sinner. And you better call on the Lord and ask Him to forgive you and to save you from your sins. Just trusting in what He did for you on the cross and not trusting your works. If you're thinking you're going to heaven because of something that you have done, you have missed the boat. You have fallen for grace. Galatians teaches, salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And that is the most important thing that you can do, that is step number one in getting ready for the return of Christ. And you better make sure you've done that. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your goodness to us. We thank You for Your Word. And dear God, I pray You'll help us to get ready, Lord. If there's one here that's not saved, I pray they'll take care of step one and they'll call on You for salvation so they'll know that their soul is secure. And I pray for those who are saved. I pray that they will get busy doing the work that You called us to do. I pray that they will get strong doctrinally. They'll study Your Word and they'll uh, prepare themselves. And I pray that they will have a walk with You. Lord, I pray that we won't just uh, fill our heads with knowledge so we can be puffed up, Lord, but we'll uh, fill our heads with knowledge so we can serve You better and we can please You more. I pray You'll help everyone there. In Your name we pray. Amen.